for I've provided a place for you that comes out of my presence and your place is to be in my presence both here and there privately but my peace that passes all understanding is that which I said that your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that my peace should lead you in and out of all things for it's my peace that comes out of my presence that'll saturate you in these days and cause you to be a formidable force that must be reckoned with in the earth a devouring force that will cause you to go out against all opposition. Know this, that my peace will heal your body. Know this, that anxiety to no degree can stay where my peace begins to saturate you through my presence, saith the Spirit of grace. My peace adds faith to your confession. My peace is not passive. It is aggressive. And taking on every obstacle and mountain in your life. Did I not say seek peace and pursue it? For I desire that all of mine enter into that place where peace governs your life, it governs every part of your day, and it governs every part of your thought life, saith the Spirit of grace. Labor fervently. Seek after and pursue that place. For in that place, lives all miracles in that place lives all understanding and all questions are answered that pertain to the petitions of your heart before me says the spirit of the lord no one will know me second hand and and enter into the fullness of that peace no matter what you hear about me or what others preach or teach about me that is truth, unless you participate with me in that place of engaging in intimacy, you'll never know the strength of the peace imparted through that place of presence, says the Spirit of the Lord. So do yourself an extreme favor. Seek that place above all things to enter into that first-hand experience, not through someone else, not through someone else's encouragement, not even through teaching that is truth, but yet, you do not 
participate by taking the time to enter in to the intimacy that that teaching portrays. Engage in me. Embrace me. For in all these things cometh the strength of my spirit upon the church, says the Spirit of the Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. Magnify you. Jesus. While he was, while I was hearing him say that, what kept coming up, and even prior to, I remember when Pastor Dave used to come here or in places I would see him, he would talk about something he termed peace, the aggressive weapon of God. You know anything about Dave Roberson's personal story and how that he was born again and then called and come out of working the lumber yards and how that he promised the Lord that if he would deliver him over to the ministry, he'd spend the same amount of time in prayer daily that he used to spend working. And then he did that and lived a very aggressive life in prayer, and that was the beginning stages. And then he testifies how that once he started getting in the ministry and he got real busy and bought airplanes and started doing the, you know, the work, Lord's work and traveling with all the big-name preachers that eventually uh, he fell out of prayer. And he's just going through the motions. And uh, he said something that he, you've probably heard him call, he said, I, I didn't know what else to call it. He said, all I could say was, it was so strong that I had to put a mister to it. He said, I called it Mr. Destruction of Reasonings. He said, it seemed like it attached itself to my brain. And it was just day and night antagonism of emotions he said I would get under the anointing to preach the word but I, I had no new revelation because I couldn't even open the word because I was so tormented in my mind that I couldn't even receive any revelation and he lived this way for a while until he realized I can't go on like this he was going from camp meeting to camp meeting was known by thousands really and yet he did something which most preachers in that place never do they just keep going on they just keep going on because they've got another meeting to do they've got another place to go he shut down everything and went into an extended fast <laughs> he said I can prove to anyone somebody said he said people have asked him through the years they've said does a fast do any good at all if you're not praying along with it and some people say you got to pray because if you don't if you don't pray and fast fasting will do you no good he said i can tell you firsthand 
that fasting will work whether you're praying or not. He said, I was a zombie. Now, this is not his words, but this was his description. He said, I was a zombie laying on a bed for, for days and days. I couldn't pray because I was so confused, so tormented. And he said, I just watched TV. Didn't do anything, but, but one thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't eat. And I started, that's how he started out. One morning he woke up with the desire to pray. His mind was clear. Once he began to pray, stayed on the fast. Long story short is that the thing broke and there was a baptism, not only of presence, but he defined it as peace, the aggressive weapon of God. Because most of the time people will think peace is something that's very quiet, passive. He said this peace that came on him so endowed him with such a strength that there was seemingly nothing that Satan or any emotion could come at him that it wasn't just like water off a duck's back. It just didn't matter. And as I heard the words of that prophecy, I remembered and I thought this, Lord, this is, what it, this is, this is where he wants to take us. And uh, this is where we're, we're headed. This is where intimacy is, is, uh, takes us to, is that place of peace. It really does. Hallelujah. Amen. Which brings us to the word of God. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, at the close of the service, we may mention something about giving. Thank you for all of those that are with us tonight and everybody that's here. We appreciate you being here. Let's talk some more about a place where I can't get away from, and you'll know that this is where I've been recently, and that is a place of intimacy. That is a place of where his presence um, is employed by us, the person through private worship and time spent. It can be employed by a number of different ways, beginning with praying in tongues. Intimacy, I, I can feel his intimacy when I'm reading the Word of God. I can feel it as I'm reading through those Psalms. I can feel life. But one of the strongest vehicles, I would say, and I mentioned this, if any of you, well, I would say most everybody in here and most people watching got my recent letter, I will repeat just because it's part of my heart and where I'm camped out now in the spirit, some of the things that I mentioned in that letter. But one of the greatest, as we well know, vehicles to intimacy is just worship, just, just private worship. Now, a few weeks ago, I spoke and taught from this passion of, uh, passage of Scripture. So turn with me again to Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. So we want to start off tonight there and move on from there because I can't get this out of my, as they, the old timers used to say, I can't get this out of my crawl. I can't get this out of my spiritual place. I don't want to. I want to stay wherever he has me at and of course other places in the word as well. But boy, this seems to be a stronghold and a good stronghold. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. So this is Paul Father, I ask you tonight, as I continue to speak your word, and as we gather together, and as those are gathered together, and people tomorrow will be watching this, 
that you'll guide our hearts. Speak to us individually as we hear these things. Help us, Lord, to continue to not only hear what we've heard before in the past, but let us hear again with the freshness of your anointing on all these things, speaking directly to every individual, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. I guess I should have turned there because as I said the other day, I want to be right there with you. I've got it in my notes, of course, but uh, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says this. It says, but what things were gained to me, this is Paul, those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith and this he says and I believe for me as I read this that this is Paul's heart this is Paul sharing his heart. And as I recently said in something that I wrote, and you've heard me say several times before, what I believe here is what we see is a sequential. It, it's, a, it's a chronology or it's a beginning that builds here, and he shares the very first and foremost part of his relationship with the Lord and what he says here. He says that I may know him, and then he goes on to say the power of, and the power of his resurrection. In other words, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being made conformable unto his death. But that first jumping off place is this, that I may know him. And as I said a few weeks ago, and as I said in the letter, this is a knowing that is very intimate, even comparable to a husband and wife knowing each other in that sense of the word. But, Christ, but Paul said, and I say again, he didn't want to know about him. He wanted to know him. He wanted to have fellowship with him. And I believe this is where we begin to see the intimate fellowship that Paul had as an example to us of really, really knowing Christ. Um, all these other things here, once he introduces, let, let me say it like this, once he introduces the foremost part of his heart, then he begins to give what I would say, and I hope I can describe this as I'm seeing it, this above-ground tree that Paul is expressing here is his desire to know him in fullness and in intimacy. And I believe that dictated everything in Paul's life. I, I believe that's why he thought it was worthwhile to go to jail, to be beaten, to keep getting up after every uh, beating, stoning, incarceration is because there was an intimate, ongoing relationship. It didn't just happen one time that he had a road to Damascus experience. It wasn't a vision of itself. He repeated that vision several times before dignitaries, but it was an ongoing, living passion in Paul's life to keep knowing Christ. But what fed that, and we'll go to another scripture in just a moment that backs up what I'm trying to say here, 
is that what fed his wanting to know him is he was in a continual place of dying to self. The self-expressed life to Paul was being trade off of trade, traded off for intimacy. In other words, if I will trade off my ambitions, my desires, count them but dung to win one, which is Christ, then I get this, I get a continual fellowship with him. That continual fellowship is his reward. That's, that's the tree above ground. But, but, but below that, I said the other day, I said, the, you know, we preached that message or I told that message three weeks ago or two weeks ago and I said, the, the, uh, I, I think we termed it the four pillars. You know, you can, you can term this however you want to, but the way that I looked at it and the way that I shared it was like there's four kind of truths or kind of nuances, way different. They're very similar, but kind of different in this verse 10 when Paul says that I may know him. That's the, four, that's the foremost. And the power of his resurrection, we describe that. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. Now, we, we gave some distinctions there, but in both of those and in all of those, there was a dying process that was always being made manifest in Paul's life. He was always trading off, again, I'll say this, what made it worth to Paul to go to prison every time or to do anything that God asked him or Christ asked him to do was his intimacy. But what fed intimacy was that he was willing to do this. He was willing to find a place where that it says in verse 10 that he, he continually stayed in a place of fellowshipping with his sufferings. He's continued play, stayed in a place of being made conformable unto the death of Christ, which meant this, Jesus, you continually gave yourself over to the will of the Father. That's the, that's the same road that I'll walk down. Hallelujah. The dying process are... Just continue to stay with me here because you'll see a picture here as we go to a, a few more scriptures. The dying process in our life in intimacy. Let's talk about intimacy for just a moment because I want you to see the picture. Let's talk about your private, your private prayer life in Christ. One of the ways for you to get most intimate with him to where that he begins to feed your life with presence I'm all about, um, well, I don't want to say I'm all about, I'm not real happy about, happy about it when I have to walk through a, a, a dry time. But I understand those when the flesh tries to shut you down or the enemy tries to shut you down. But Christ wants to come to us on a continual basis and continually baptize us in his presence. The baptism that that caused our initial baptism in the Holy Ghost ought to be a continual daily process that we are be being filled, continuation of being filled. That being filled is a place of intimacy in Him where that He continually comes to us in presence 
He continually comes to us as we open up our spirit to him. Um, but as I said, the dying process, as we, as we sit in his presence and as we convey ourselves over to him, what really begins to feed that life, that intimacy, is how much we ourselves are able to, to give ourselves over to him, to that dying process. Hallelujah. So I understand we're having a little bit of, so hallelujah. You guys out there, keep praying for us. Amen. I don't think we've ever had so much demonic activity um, as we've had over the last couple months concerning our video. That just lets me know that we're doing some good things. There's some good word coming out of this pulpit if he's fighting us that hard. I'm telling you, this is demonic. It is, it's not just, you know, I, I'm not a... I'm not a guy that runs off on tangents, but this is demonic. Okay, hallelujah. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you stayed with us, you're going to be blessed. So, so stay with us. Go with me to... Uh, I, I will say this. Intimacy, full intimacy with Christ cannot be fully experienced without a trade-off of death. Do you understand that? I hope maybe, and I'm not talking about, obviously, those of you that are watching and those of you in here, you understand, I'm not talking about uh, physical death, but I'm talking about a continual laying down your life before him in a conveyance of saying, Lord, change me on a daily basis. That conveyance that willingness is what is the the grassroots or the groundswell for more of his intimacy to come into your life now second corinthians chapter four which is pretty we went over this pretty familiar i wanted to say to us Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, Paul continues to talk about really what he was sharing in um, Philippians chapter three. But verse seven in chapter four says this, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us." We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now look at this. Always, this was his disposition. This was his place. I believe this was his place of, of intimacy, partly so, or in a big way. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When he talks about the life, I, I, want to, I, want, I want to connect these things up. Life, intimacy and life are, are one and the same. You don't go into intimacy with him and fellowship with him that there is not a life produced. Jesus would go and spend time with the Father, and then he would come out 
and do miracles. That was his life. It was a continual place of communion. And as he walked in communion with the Father, then he would exit those times of intimacy in which life, the life of God, the word says he was life, but now we see, we see the person of the Holy Spirit coming, or the Father coming in the person of the Holy Spirit continually baptizing his person with life, but the whole life of Christ was in a place which Philippians 2 describes that he continually was giving himself over to death, even the death of the cross. What do you think that he was praying in those places of intimacy? He was continually, whatever his words were, they were continually, I can see them as a continual conveyance or a continual pouring out of saying, Lord, Father, help me walk in the death that I am presently capable of walking in. Help me to continually turn my will over to you today. What I, as a human, would want to do or where I would even good things or even things that would be a distraction to me. Listen, the Lord comes to us and what he wants in your life, what he wants in my life, the number one place to him is not ministry. Your ministry is not the most important thing to God about you. Your ministry is second, far second, to your place of knowing him and turning yourself over in a continual conveying, a continual pouring out, even to the death of, the word says, of the cross. But Paul says here, he was always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. What, what, what would happen, Paul? What would happen in those times of intimacy or in those times of conveyance? Are you trying to get over continually to, to Jesus I'm willing to go where you want me to go, but I love you. I, I want to be conformed to your image. This is the sufferings of the flesh when the flesh says, I have my own self-expressed life. And yet you continually say, uh, no, my life is not my own. My life has been bought with a price. And the greatest uh, deception that can possibly come to really sincere people is when they begin to equivocate a call for ministry or something that God has brought into their life and they equivocate that on the same level as walking in intimacy with him. He don't care if you make $10 billion and pour it into the ministry if you've lost your intimacy with him, it doesn't matter. He'd far rather you just give pennies and stay in, in, in intimacy with him than to fulfill a worldwide call or ministry. We continually say around here, and this is why I know we're going to get it, is that our call, first and foremost, revival stands behind one image to me. That is to know him. Miracles stand behind one distinct image, and that is to know him. 
We're not seeking seeking the power. We're not seeking miracles. We're not seeking gifts. We're seeking to know him. Although the word says, you know, the seek the best, you know, desire the best gifts. But all that is prefaced, all that is predicated on a perfect communion that Paul says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also, what, what will happen if we walk in this place of, Death or intimacy that produces death, life will be produced in us. Not the life that goes around that says, okay, I'm so happy that my life's together, but this is the life which raises the dead. It heals the sick. It has, a, it has an atmosphere with it. It has, you walk in a room and people feel the presence of God. He said, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body. What's the trade-off? Every single day, this is what we have to get in our head, is that every single day we have to engage in death that the life might be made manifest in us. That's our daily quest. That's our daily quest, is to engage in that place of giving ourselves over to the Lord. I wrote this in the, in the notes. The roots of death to the flesh, the self-expressed or the self-willed life, are what feeds the trunk of the tree. In other words, that expression of intimacy, it's what feeds it. Um, what feeds, I want to step out, but i got to stay here. What feeds that place and, and, and I'm going to try to give you other scripture here to, conv- to, to get this over to you. But the roots, you know, these big pines that we have out in here, all of you that have ever worked around them know you're going to, you're going to try to plant something over here 30 feet away, and you're hitting a root. Well, there's no tree over there. Oh, well, yeah, there is. It's one of those big old Florida pines. They have feeder roots that just, they're huge. Uh, the feeder bands on a hurricane. The eye of the storm is, they call that the strength of the storm or the place where the eye's at, but what feeds it are what they call those outside bands. They call them the feeder bands. The feeder bands or the, the spread roots of intimacy with Christ is you coming in a place of your life where you're not only saying, I love you, Jesus, But my love extends to a place where I don't want Bronk Flint in a place of dominance. I I really don't want people to see him. I want them to see Christ. I want the intimacy that I share with you, what feeds that, what are the, the feeder roots to that, is what Paul was saying in Philippians 3, what he was saying in 2 Corinthians 4, is that the more that I'm able to turn myself over to you and give myself over to you in a place of intimacy or death through intimacy, trading my will over to yours, it feeds a place of life. It feeds a place of of where God is able to live big inside of us. Amen. That sign or those letters or those words behind me say, Jesus is Lord. And we know that he is the Lord 
over all of the church. But the question is to every single one of us watching and all of us that are in here is, is he Lord? Is he Lord? You know, you, you see athletes, you see people, you see all kinds of people say, um, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I know what they're trying to say. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. I believe this scripturally. I believe this by watching the earth and watching the church. The majority of the church will meet him, Christ, as Savior. That's when, they be, when they meet him, they'll meet him as Savior. True disciples will meet him as Savior and Lord. You can get to heaven as him being your Savior, even without him being your Lord. So what? No, as long as you don't do all the killer sins, but you can still live, live your own self-expressed life and not ever destroy the power of the new nature. I, I personally believe, except for the remnant and Joel's church, Joel's army, that the majority of the church will meet him as Savior. They'll not meet him as Lord. But there is a major part of the church, or a big part of the church, that is going to come under the revival. And they will trade, and they, Jesus will be Lord. Now he's Lord over, but he's not Lord over everybody's, he's not Lord over all Christians' lives. He should be. But Lord means that not only have you been born again, but that you are submitting your true disciples. True disciples. And I know that I'm, in a good sense of the word, a good sense of the word, preaching to the choir. But uh, I like preaching to the choir because you guys will say amen. You guys will understand what's, what's happening. Continual in, continued intimacy will always stay in a place of dying and live an entire life of obedience. His greatest joy is not the ministry to someone that stays in that place. Or no, his greatest joy, God's greatest joy is not in our ministry that he's given to us. His greatest joy is in our fellowship with the Father. It's when the, with the Father. Um, we shared... And I mentioned it in the letter the other day, but we shared a few weeks ago um, the person that Paul mentions that was his traveling companion, which was Demas. And we've taught on him a few times before. And this man was mentioned in Colossians, Philemon, and then he was mentioned as part of Paul's traveling companions and a notoriety that was good. In Paul's last letter, in 2 Timothy, he says this in his salutation. He said, And Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, here's the amazing part about Demas. At one point, he was obviously, because of who Paul was, he had to have a very strong commitment to Christ. And as I said the other day, and I say now, I don't know that that meant that when he says he loved this present world, I don't know that that meant that he lost his salvation. I believe many Christians love this present world 
more than they love Christ, more than they love. Demas had not lived out his time of ministry with Paul. He just decided, I don't want to minister anymore. And it wasn't a change of ministry. Paul said he loved this present world. So here's the thing with Demas. Demas, when he left, he committed what I called the other day and what I said the other day, he committed treason against intimacy. He really did. He committed a treason against intimacy. I had a friend that he'll probably hear this tomorrow. I don't know. Hopefully it's not too mumble jumbled up. Harry will fix it. Harry, Harry and God can fix anything. Hallelujah. Um, when I said the words that Demas had um, committed treason against intimacy, he wrote me, and uh, he's, a, he's a man of God himself, and uh, loves the Lord in- incredibly. But he said, man, he, he said, I, when I heard that, and this is not verbatim, but in essence, he said, it just, it just you know, struck my heart. It really, he said, I had to do some repenting. He said, I, how many times did, have I committed treason against intimacy by, he said, reading books about him instead of being in his presence? Listening to multiple messages and teachings and preachings and this and that without being in his presence. Even the doctrine, listen, and I'm, you know what we, the premium we put on doctrine. But the demon set under the best doctrine in the world. He set under the best doctrine on the planet, Paul, and yet he lost his intimacy with Christ because he himself did not keep up with his own intimate relationship with the Lord. And you can trade off a whole lot of stuff, and it's all about him, but it's not him. I don't, see, we, we can't live on surrogate love. Hallelujah. Thank you. Does intimacy matter? I think it does a lot. <laughs> Let's turn to a familiar portion of scripture. Let's go to second or let's go to Revelation chapter 2. We've went over this before when we taught on the churches. In the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 1, now this is the first church that he addresses in these seven churches. And John says unto the church, or to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor. Now, now look at this. We're, we're going to judge this, and we've done this before. But again, the premium is on tonight and where he wants us to, this is something he wants to continually get across to us, how important your place, my place of face-to-face with him 
is on a continual basis. All, all questions, all answers, all everything comes in that face-to-face. I have been... I have been at times filled with numerous uh, quandaries. And I would have in my mind like 10 different questions that I would want to ask him. I learned this of myself years ago, but then I learned this also by reading the face-to-face documents that uh, that's the experience that Gary Carpenter had 20 years ago with the Lord, and he turned those documents face-to-face. And in one of those documents, one of those encounters that he turned into a document, the verbatim kind of communication that the Holy Spirit was telling him was, it's far more productive, and this is, this is, um, this is very paraphrased, not, it's not verbatim, but the, the Holy Spirit was saying, it's far more productive for you to come to me at many times without a whole bunch of questions that you want to ask to start with, but that you let me, that you sit in my presence and you let me take the reins and begin to to. to face to face get over to you in my presence what my agenda is for or my 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 thoughts to you in doing that in essence all those things will be answered see when you come when you come with your own list and 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 I know I'm you know I'm a little bit away from Ephesians but this is what the whole thing is about they lost their intimacy and the best thing that you can possibly do in your life is stay in that face-to-face intimacy with him because in that place all answers they're all I mean all questions are all answered they really are I've had him come and in intimacy get over to me in a moment's time I don't even know how it happens it's like I'm I'm sitting there. I've got 15 questions. Okay, God, I'm not going to have peace until you give me this 15 or you know 15 answers. And presence, and the fog goes, and you just know everything. You just know everything. All 15 of them are answered, and a conveyance of His mind and one because. He knows how. This is where the Word talks about the peace that passes all understanding. That's what comes in His presence. In other words, peace will go past understanding, but in that, it'll bring an understanding. Are you still with me? Look at this. He said this. This is the Lord speaking. He said to that church, I know thy works. So they were a church of works. I know thy labor and thy patience. Family prayer center, we had patience for 25 years plus. We've been calling on, I think that's a little bit of patience. We haven't quit. We haven't changed. One thing we can say, our vision hasn't changed in 25 years. Have you grown uh, incredibly numerically new? We have not, but our vision, one thing you cannot fault us on, our vision has not changed. 
but there must be something to this because otherwise we'd just get wore out you get you know nobody's that stupid you know after a while you figure it out thy patience he says and how thou cannot bear them which are evil well we have taught on the power of the new nature and we will continue to teach on it that is something that he praised them for not walking in evil. We know the dictates of the born-again nature. We continue to teach that. We'll continue to teach it. He praised them for that. That thou hast tried them which they their apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And thou hast borne, in other words, you've continued to fight. You've continued, and you've had, has had patience for my name's sake. You've labored, and you've not fainted. Nevertheless, after all that praise, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. In other words, your intimacy, your, your, your continued in intimacy. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. Not walking in a place of intimacy with him, but going through formalities deserves a place of repentance. Well, I'm performing my ministry... You know what, bro? He don't even, he don't, if, if he can't have the intimacy part of you, he really doesn't care so much about the, the ministry part. You might as well just sit down for a while, regain your intimacy, and go on. Because that's what's first and foremost. That's the place where all life is produced. That's the place where presence is produced. That's the place where the presence that gets people healed and miraculous miracles takes place is in that place where intimacy with him produces life in us and through us he says this remember therefore from whence thou art fallen repent and do thy first works or else i will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the nicolaitans the nicolaitans we taught on this that is the that's, that's basically, you would say, the, 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 the founding uh, definition or doctrine of what we would call uh, hyper-grace, um, the hyper-grace message, which he said, Jesus said, I also hate um, the deeds of those. And he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now you can take this, um, you know, futuristically, like, you know, if we overcome, then we are going to eventually be able to, you know, eat of that tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise. But listen, I believe that to them then and to us now, if we continue to overcome, we're going to continue to eat from that tree of life, which to me is Jesus, which to me is his fullness anointing. Um, all of everything that we're doing, the praying in tongues, the fasting, the word, uh, the intimacy right now, when I use the word intimacy, I hope that you're equating that with, with worship. That's the only way that those, that, that, that's the vehicle to intimacy. But what the Holy Spirit, one of the things that, that he's saying to us as a church right now, keep all these things going and let this be a vital part of your daily life as much as lies within you to give that time for him 
to come and to wash over you. It's that in that placing that place of uh, of renewal. It's in that place where the Holy Spirit is able to impart His life over to you. Is important. Um, well, let me let me let's just talk for just a few moments tonight about the tree of life. Now, um, if I said to you, "Who is the tree of life?" Most of us would say Jesus. Um, but I will say this. It's important for scriptural integrity for me to say that you can't find a scripture that says Jesus is the tree of life. But um, I, there is there's a lot of symbolism that I think is is that you could say with integrity um, that speaks concerning the tree of life and the attributes of Jesus Christ as we know him as Lord and Savior. I'll just read some of these. You don't have to turn there, but I'll have you turn to another place in just a moment. In the beginning was the Word. This is John 1, 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made in Him. In Jesus is what? Life. And the life was the light of men. Jesus said in John 6, 48, He said, I am the bread of life. And in John 14, 6, he said this, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, I can't eat of him on a daily basis in communion that I don't get that continual life. And one thing that we've got to understand is the born-again nature, though it has life in it, it was not created just to live its life independent from continually receiving from life that tree of life it wasn't it was created in a in a way in which it craves that continual presence it craves that place and it is fueled by that place it is continually fueled by that place we know don't pray okay we know this don't pray don't read your word for six months See how energized that, that life in you is. <laughs> I real Homer said in the back, for those of you who didn't hear him, one month, we're being, I was trying to be kind. <laughs> one, to me, it's not even one, you know, for all of us that pray, you know, we can't, we, we can't go, we, you, you can't hardly go a day. You can't go a day. And it's not, it's not like condemnation or conviction by the Holy Spirit, but if I get busy, even if I'm on vacation, like I'm on vacation, but I'm kind of like jonesing or waiting to get back home so I can get back into what I like the most and what I love the most is intimacy with God. It's like, uh, this is really fun. Can we get done with it so I can go back to doing what I really like the most? Hallelujah, because it fuels something inside of us. It's a life on the inside of us that causes us to want more and want more and want more. Hallelujah. Uh, let me read. Turn with me to, you know, you're in Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. Verse 1 says, and he showed me, I'll just read, there's 
couple verses in here we need, so I'll just read it all, I guess. Um, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was there the tree of life. Now, as I said, you can't find a scripture, and I want to make that clear where it says Jesus is the tree of life, but we see so many symbols, symbology, types concerning the tree of life and who Christ is in essence in our life. I find it very interesting here that it says that in the midst of the street of this, on either side of the river, was the tree, it doesn't say trees of life, it says the single tree. That's amazing, because there's only really one, Jesus, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yield her her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no light there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard them and heard and seen, I fell down to worship before his feet of the angel, which showed me these things. And he saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren, the, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them that which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust, and he that is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. We're getting to it here in just a couple more verses. And he saith, and he that is holy, let him be holy, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, and to him, and to give every man according to his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do keep, or that do his commandments that they may have light or have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into that city. He talks about this tree of life that is futuristic that we're going to see singularly. But he talks about how that men will eat of this once they get there. Now, is that all some symbolism no i i don't believe so i believe that there really is this this tree is showing us a picture there but what i want to convey if i can to you is this even in heaven once we get there if we look at the symbology or look at the type and the shadow of jesus being all life we know that jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life even after heaven, even after, even after we get there, even after we've arrived, there's always going to be, 
not a necessity to like keep us from sinning, but who we are always wants to feed from that tree. It always wants to eat from that tree. I, I, I don't even know, I can't explain this mystery as of yet, maybe we will one day. He says that the fruit thereof in that place are for the healing of the nations. Is there a little tree, a literal tree there? I believe so. But it also says this, that tree of life, if you go back even to Genesis, you, you find the origin from the very beginning of that tree of life. The word says here, I, I, I've got it in my notes, you don't have to turn there, in Genesis 2.8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then in chapter 3, after the fall, it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand to take also the tr of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord drove him out. Um, man ultimately chose we know the fall we, we we're, there's no no need for us to go into it you know explaining all the um the essence of the fall but that fall was direct treason disobedience but what the fall did was it chose it was a choice treasonous choice not to believe god's word really ultimately to believe that god was a liar but it chose the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord from the very beginning said, I've planted two trees. I've, I've planted two trees in the midst of the garden. One is a tree of life. Now, as I said, the word doesn't call Jesus the tree of life. But we know this. Was there a little, tr a little tree there? I believe there was, just like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But... I know this from the very beginning of eternity, as we know it as man, the truth of Jesus as life has always stood. Adam and Eve could have rejected the temptation to go into knowledge and continue to eat of the tree of life because it was there for them. They chose knowledge which destroyed them and destroyed the inward person rather than, than eating of the tree of life. And then, and then God said concerning their physical being, they're fallen now. If they eat of it, we've got to drive them out, and, and that's lessons for the future. But that tree, they could no longer eat of it because they were dead. They, they could no longer eat of it. They were dead in their, their nature. But let me just do a little bit of switching here or moving on to say this even in even in christ even in christendom once we're inside of him we have to continually eat of him our new nature is self-induced with life but it also craves and must continue to receive to eat from that tree of life through intimacy, or else it will never be empowered to do 
what we've been called to do. Many Christians today, even today, even though the tree of life was death, are still in a certain sense of the word by, I don't think it's too much of a stretch here to say this, are still trying to eat from knowledge. They're trying to eat from the tree of knowledge or they're trying to eat from, from what they can know without knowing it from their heart. The only way that we're going to save this world, have an outpouring, go into revival. See, this, this is what we have to understand. This is what I was trying to get across from the very beginning. Uh, all good things. John said this, the last part, the last verse of John 1, or uh, 1 John, the last chapter 5, he tells us, uh, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Somebody said, well, I'm not worshiping an idol. Anything in your life, even if it was once sanctified, it might have been given to you by God. It might have been a blessing to you. It might have been a call. Well, I'm called to uh, entrepreneurship. Wonderful. That's wonderful. But the day and hour that you get too caught up in the stock market or investments or anything and you stop fellowshipping with the tree of life, he'd just soon that your ministry went another way. All things, even sanctified or called originally things, if it is not continually fellowshipping with the Lamb, it becomes, it can, it can shift from being something sanctified to something that is an idol. We're in Revelation, so how quick is it to get to John? John 5 says this, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given unto us understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, uh, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Well, Pastor, God gave me this ministry. He, he probably did to start with. But God gave me this house. He probably did to start with. God gave me this. He God gave me that. He may have to start with. But if you started fellowship, if, if your time and your talk and your heart and your conveyance all, what he wants more than anything else is he wants you. He wants you. That's what he wants. Now, we're going to have this revival. I'm, 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 I'm really sure of it. I'm really sure of it. Because I want him and you want him. That's why you're here on a Wednesday night. But we have to keep eating from that tree of life. We have to keep consuming from it. The feeder bands of it, that what, what, what causes him to gravitate to us is ultimately not saying the right words in his presence that, he, you know, that tickle his ear. Like, but when we continually, see, I, I say to him, and you'll say things that are, are, are um, your vernacular, but I say to him, Lord, 
I love you more than anything else. And I want to serve you more than anything else. But I also know that maybe there's parts of me, even in the conveyance of that, that really don't mean it as much as I want to mean it. But the part of me that doesn't mean it, that doesn't, I want to die more than anything else so that the life of Christ is manifest in me through intimacy. But the parts of me that still don't want to die, that I don't recognize, I'm believing you for that as well through this intimacy. So that I continue, so that everything in my life is sanctified by him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand tonight. Getting you out of here just a little bit before, before nine. I hope most of you stayed with us. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We praise you. Revival is ours because, um, because we know you and we're going to continue to follow you. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to work this work of intimacy, the dying of the flesh. We love you, Father. We commit all things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here tonight and you have something to give, we didn't take up an offering. Um, please, Rex, if you'll put, you know, get it, put it by the back door or however you want to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. And thank you for those that are giving. We appreciate those uh, blessings at PayPal. It makes a big difference. Thank you so much for your giving. Amen.